This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. This is the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. On the beat, got Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, and Gregory Hall. And just because I'm going with Gregory Hall first, Gregory, uh, Carolina had a big win against NC State on Monday night. Question, have the Tar Heels turned a little bit of a corner or is the ACC just bad outside of a couple teams? Uh, I think they definitely turned a corner. And I was talking with my buddies the other, uh, I guess, yesterday about how, based off where these the last two games and Roy and Sean May last night, they like to talk about starting with the Virginia Tech game, which, I mean, we all kind of saw that they played better in the Virginia Tech game but blew another lead, beat up on a really bad, beaten down, injured Miami team. And then obviously went into state and kind of handled the crowd early and then didn't relinquish their lead once they got that. But if Cole does come back and play on Saturday in three days, you're coming off a beat down on Saturday and then a very good win at state, which a lot of people just thought the Miami was a flute game and that Carolina was going to go away and state was going to, this is state's year and all that, all that junk that you heard from state fans. And even some Carolina fans are like, man, this might be the year, the PNC Roy Williams curse or whatever you want to call it for state kind of goes away. Well, that didn't happen. And so now if Cole does come back, then it's kind of confidence is at probably an all time high since I'd say probably the Oregon game. Uh, with this team and you start you saw that in post-game press conferences building up uh, from the Virginia Tech game talking to Garrison after that game I mean obviously a depleting loss I mean he played 48 minutes he was tired but then you in in the press conference or if you want to call it press conference interviews after a game after the game he's always talking about how the the effort was there he was proud of his teammates um, it was not sad sack Garrison like we have seen uh, the past few games when the lo- losses were racking up. Um, so then confidence started there. And now after the state game, he's walking off the court with his finger to his mouth. Um, Roy's dancing in the locker room. And then if they get Cole back on Saturday, I mean, definitely cur- turn, turning a corner. It just kind of sucks that then you got to go at FSU and Duke, probably the toughest part of the schedule coming up here. Uh, but definitely, I'm going to go with turning corner and Miami's bad and states like trending downwards. That's my answer. So basically, a, a, a non-answer. Didn't that, pick a side. I answered you. first. Uh, uh, Ross, let's see if you'll do better. Uh, ah. You know, I, uh, Miami was bad. I, I think NC State's bad too. But they have played well this season. There's something there with Carolina 
in the light blue for NC State. But, you know, I saw a team that looked pretty confident against the Wolfpack, and that's just a far cry from how it was against Virginia Tech, who Virginia Tech's proved that they're not very good, and against Clemson at the end. I mean, I think confidence is the key, and Carolina appears to have some. Yeah, I mean, I, the NC State game will be kind of looked at as a turning point if they can get this thing turned around. I, I still think they they really need Cole back, obviously. Um, they just they look lost sometimes on offense with Leaky Black or, or God forbid, K.J. Smith leading the, the point for UNC. And I think what we've kind of learned in the last couple games, you know, big games by Brand Robinson, consistently big performances by Garrison Brooks and Armando Bacot playing a little bit better as well, is that they are just a, a Cole Anthony short of being a pretty decent team. So I think without him, Brand Robinson's got more offensive chances. Garrison Brooks has Garrison Brooks has kind of become a guy they can count on to score inside. So now you look at this team with with a couple really nice offensive pieces, knowing what Cole will bring, whether that's against Boston College on Saturday or on the road against Florida State, you got to think he's closer and closer to, to being ready. But with him, the offense starts flowing better. They add, a, a, obviously, the, the best player on the team back, and that's going to be huge. And so then it's just a matter of, of beating the teams you can beat. And But, yeah, Gregory's right. They do have a really tough stretch. They do have Wake twice. Um, they have State again, Notre Dame. So they, they have some winnable games with Cole, but they have a lot of games. They'll definitely be underdogs. But I just think my point is that they're a Cole, a point guard short of being a above average, a, a pretty decent team that we kind of expected um, entering the season. And I, I think that's what, for the at least the fan base, dropping some of these games in the first five or six games of the ACC to some teams that are not very good. Greg, when you look at the games coming up, I mean, Boston College and the Smith Center, that's, that should be a win with or without Cole. At Florida State, I've always thought Florida State's a bad matchup for Carolina. Whatever the year is, it just seems like it has been. But then Virginia beats them. And Virginia's not a very good team or hasn't been. Um, the ACC's really up and down. You've got Duke, which I'm not sure how good Duke is. Uh, they'll clearly be ready for Carolina. But this is a chance for um, – you know, the NCAA tournament is still a reach, very much a reach for, for this team. But it's at least a chance for this team to get some momentum. And I don't know if the ACC slate's that tough. At least it's not as tough as it looked um, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah, this is this is such an interesting uh, situation right now for UNC. And I think you really have to look at it from from two perspectives. And Gregory and Ross both kind of hit on it. Uh, but before North Carolina uh, beat Miami, they ride a five-game losing streak. If you looked at Ken Palm, Ken Palm only had North Carolina winning three more games the rest of the year. And, of course, that's based on percentages, so they, they've still had them, you know, I think winning six games in conference or something like that. But of those games they were supposed to win, one was Miami, one was Boston College coming up. So even when North Carolina was at its worst, they're still supposed to beat Miami, still supposed to beat Boston College. I think that's important for perspective sake. When you add in that McGusty and Chris Likes were out for Miami, North Carolina could have played bad and still won by 15. Um, and so you know, I took more out of the Virginia game, Virginia Tech game than I did the Miami game just because they battled in that, that one. I mean, they looked horrible at Pittsburgh. 
I mean, I saw that. I'm like, wow. I don't know how many more games this team's going to win this year. But then they showed a lot of fight in Blacksburg, which I thought was important. And uh, confidence is, is such a fickle thing. But for them to see shots go in against Miami, that was beneficial. It wasn't the win that impressed me. It was the fact that they were actually able to make shots. Um, and then they go to NC State, and guess what? They're still making shots. Um, you know, NC State had been good offensively for most of the year. Last five games, especially with C.J. Bryce suffering with a concussion, and you know, he was non-existent against Georgia Tech and against Carolina. When your best player, best offensive player is in that position, uh, there's a reason why they've really struggled offensively in the last five games. And so you can look at all this and say, okay, well, North Carolina should beat Boston College anyway. Boston College is good defensively. Uh, they are not good offensively. That helps North Carolina out. So now we're talking about a potential three-game winning streak. And it's not that North Carolina's got tremendously better, but they have built up their confidence. And I think that that's a critical aspect for this team. Um, when you're when you're dealing with such fragile uh, psyches, the way that this team has, has had, I mean, the fact that they coughed up, what, three double-digit second-half leads in five games? Ugh. And then the other two games, they were down by 20 and a half time. So that's like bottom of the barrel. They've climbed out of that. So now the question is going to be, assuming they beat Boston College on Saturday like they should be, whether or not Cole plays or not, which I assume that he probably will, but we'll have to wait and see. That sets up this turn in the schedule of saying, okay, well, now they've got some momentum going into, and I agree that this is their toughest stretch. Um, and we'll really get a good idea of exactly what this team can be. Uh, at Florida State, it's going to be tough. I mean, any of these road games are going to be really hard. You know, Duke, we, we know how good that team is. I think at Wake, it's going to be tough. I mean, Ken Palm right now is projecting Wake to win that game. And then you got Virginia. At Notre Dame is always tough. It's a good atmosphere. At Louisville is going to probably be the toughest game that they play to date, I think. Uh, and so it's 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 only getting tougher from here. And the tougher games are now. It's easy to forget that we were talking about this team banking wins early in the year, the ACC year, so that when they hit this tough stretch, even with Cole, they could absorb some of these losses. Well, now they're going into the stretch not being able to absorb anything. I mean, they've got to win some of these games to have any shot at the NCAA tournament. And so, yes, they are playing better, but how much better? And how do things change when, when Cole comes back? So a lot of good questions about this team right now, uh, even though they are you know, in the midst of a little bit of momentum. JohnnyTShirt.com sponsors the Inside Carolina podcast. I agree with everything Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and Ross Martin have said up to this point, by the way. But Johnny T-Shirt, of course, sponsor of this podcast and great friends of Inside Carolina. Gear online, everything you need Carolina-related, everything uh, you could possibly want Carolina-related in-store and online. Great customer service in both places. Get it when you're in town. You're in town for the Boston College game. Stop by them on Franklin Street. Visit them. Say hello. And tell them you're Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. And give them the code, you'll get 10% off. You can do it online. If you can't make Chapel Hill, it's always a great place to get your Carolina gear inside Carolina. Sponsor, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Switch up the order, Ross Martin. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Garrison Brooks. And I want to talk about the defense in the second half of the podcast. Uh, but I think Garrison Brooks, 
on the offensive end has been fantastic lately. I mean, a lot of people, we talked about him, and I think it was you that talked about his attitude in, in the post-game locker room or post-game press conferences, which was accurate. He he was a very down or Debbie Downer type attitude, but the man has come to play on the court of late, and he tore up NC State. Question is, can that continue? Uh, do you think that'll continue? And how do you think maybe Cole Anthony's return will affect how he's been playing? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely can continue. I don't know why it won it. He's been pretty consistently, you know, scoring over, you know, over 15 points and, and getting close to double-digit rebounds. Seems like in every ACC game. Um, yeah, I'm just been impressed with his polish offensively. I mean, we, we hadn't seen that before. He was a, a fifth or sixth option in the last two years as a starter for UNC. I think he started a couple games as a freshman before Cameron Johnson entered the lineup. But, you know, he's got legit post moves. He's got a nice little over-the-shoulder hook. Um, he, I mean, yeah, he was just dominant offensively against NC State and getting to the basket. He's strong. He's playing a lot of minutes, too. And obviously, when you're playing a big man, I mean, I don't know. I, I play basketball. When you have to run from, you know, the um, from the, the length of the court and then take the bashing that big men take down there, it's a physical strain on your body. You're running farther than the guards because you're not going the perimeter, and it's tough. And, you know, you can tell that he has great endurance. He's in great shape, and he's bringing every every uh, game, and it means a lot to him. And he's had to put this team on his back uh, at certain times, and he hasn't gotten the result um, as, as he would have liked. But finally, it's kind of coming together, and I think – I think with Cole Anthony, you're just opening up for him. He can't; they can't double as much. Um, have to respect Cole Anthony's shot. Cole Anthony's a great uh, interior passer to get him the ball in the right places. So that'll work well for him and Baycott. We, we could tell Baycott was a better player with Anthony in there. I think the same is true for Brooks. But I mean, I, I've been really impressed with him. I think next year, if he stays and Baycott stays, and then they have the two freshmen coming in, it's going to be a one of the most dominant front courts we have we've seen in a long, long time in terms of just depth and talent. Yeah, and that's what I meant. Can he keep it up? I mean, he's played what he played thirty seven. Yep, thirty seven on. Yeah, exactly. and that's that. That's a lot. And uh, you're right about the beating. I, I was surprised really watching NC State defend him. They didn't beat him up more. Uh, I mean, you got to get on him, and and if Carolina beats you from the perimeter, Gregory. I mean, they just do. I thought the shots leaky hit early, um, you know, and then Justin Pierce hit one in the second half and all those. Those guys open it up for Brooks and Baycott. Um, but still, until somebody proves it consistently, I, I think they have to be all over Brooks. What do you think of Garrison and of Baycott? Baycott does everything except get the ball in the basket at sometimes. I know he gets frustrated, but it, but he's getting better at it, and he had a couple of nice moves against State. I was really surprised State didn't double-team Garrison more. Uh, maybe it was they were worried about Bates and Thunderbird getting into foul trouble because they don't really have that many other options, similar to, to Carolina down low. But, I mean, I was up in the, the nosebleeder section, section 329 for this game. And just there were a lot of times when UNC would come down, Garrison would establish himself in the low post, and there was no one else around. Um, UNC would get the high-low game going with Armando at the top of the key. And I think Armando had three – he finished with three assists, but he had three assists relatively early in the game because he was just throwing it into Garrison, and he just went to work because he he wasn't – they weren't double-teaming him, even though – I mean, uh, 
B-Rob was banged up, obviously. I mean, he only had two made field goals in the game. Uh, I was I was really shocked that Garrison, like you said, wasn't banged up more. Um, and as far as Armando goes, I mean, I think 11-11, kind of that, uh, that 12 to 15, I guess 10 to 15 point range is where he can be pretty consistent. And when you see him going off for, I mean, 19, I think he had, um, the other day, that's kind of when some of those shots are falling, but you're right. They don't, sometimes they just aren't falling, whether it's his touch. Um, and then Roy kind of talked about Armando's turnovers being an issue, um, because he does like to put the ball on the floor. Still, he gets that spin move going and another guy kind of reaches in and kind of can knock it away. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Garrison's obviously, uh, their number one scorer right now. And if B-Rob keeps getting banged up, I just don't see why how teams don't consistently double team because, I mean, Justin Pierce, yes, he's made a three in back-to-back games now. Um, Playtech has, he, he made a shot against Miami. He made a three. He didn't make any um, against State. But yeah, those guys aren't, I mean, obviously aren't shooting very well. The whole team's not shooting well from three. But if B-Rob's banged up, then, and Sean May talked about it last night, the the goal in every single possession is to get the ball inside, unless you have a wide-open shot. Uh, and so I think Garrison's going to continue to get banged up, and that could maybe hurt his production down the road. But if Cole comes back, that might put a, some sort of alleviation on whether or not how effective he is. Uh, I have a question for Greg. You mentioned you weren't looking that much at the Miami game just because how bad Miami was and it was the they made UNC made shots. How much will the Boston College game tell, if anything, with how bad Boston College is considering it's another home game? Well, I think the momentum aspect is key and the fact that you know, North Carolina with their first half against NC State, I believe that was like you know, four halves of shooting 50% or better in the last, you know, what, seven halves, eight halves, something like that. And first 17 games of the year, they shot better than 50% in four halves. So there is some uh, rhyme and reason to the idea that seeing shots go in make it easier for shots to go in. Uh, I really believe if you watch that NC State game, because of how they played at Miami or against Miami and how they played at Virginia Tech, they were much more confident. I mean, even Christian Keeling stepped up and knocked down a couple big shots. Uh, I do think Justin Pierce was still a little frazzled by the uh, atmosphere, but B-Rob was jacking up shots. Uh, I think Baycott, despite kind of being uh, a little uh, pushed around, I guess you would say, uh, I thought he was trying to be aggressive. Brooks clearly was aggressive. And I think Linky Black played a lot better. I think he's finally getting healthy. But I talked to him after the game about he's finally feeling like he's he's doing a better job at point guard. And you could see kind of that confidence build. So I think the key thing for people to be watching for against Boston College is you know, BC really struggles to score. But they are good defensively. And so how do things transition for North Carolina? Because Miami's worst defensive team in the league. Uh, State's been hit or miss. But now you're going against a team that they've had success in part or primarily because of their defense. So you know they're most likely going to be good defensively. How does the team look? 
And if they're able to continue that offensive momentum, well, now you got something to work with because this team is good defensively. Um, and there's going to be a lot of uh, challenges, I think, when Cole comes back because this team has finally learned, as you guys were talking about, whose role it is to score. You know, B-Rob's up there. Brooks is up there. I mean, those are the two guys, offensive efficiency numbers-wise, are far and above everybody else. And as you said, Gregory, they're understanding, you know what? Our best option is to pound the ball down low. Let's just not pass the ball around the edge and just take a last-second shot from 18 feet. I mean, that's not good offense. But if you can consistently pound it down low, good things will happen. Well, how does that change when Cole comes back? And so uh, that's that's things that we'll see ironed out later. But if they're able to put another good offensive game against BC on the court, you know, this this weekend, that that continues that growth, mm-hmm. that continues that momentum, and that that will really be important, especially in Tallahassee next Monday. Greg, you you mentioned, and we've talked about Cole coming back. I'm looking at Carolina's stats on the year, and they're still not pretty. But one thing that stands out, and I know B-Rob missed some games, but I think it's going to be, now that Carolina's got the offense going a little bit, it's going to be interesting to see how to integrate Cole back in. Two people on this team have taken more shots this season than Cole Anthony from the field, and that's Garrison Brooks (laughs) and Armando Baycott. That's incredible to me. That is incredible, yeah. And, and so the question for all three of you, and you all can, we'll start with Greg and go around the table, is how do you incorporate Anthony back into the mix and not upset whatever fragility there is? Now, I understand you got to have your best player back. But he is the best player, but he's also, um, I mean, 152 field goal attempts in nine games. Garrison Brooks with 227 and Armando Baycott, Armando Baycott with 166 in 20. Nobody else with more than Cole. Well, I think the fact that Cole had 24 field goal attempts in his first two games each, which I believe tied a tied a record. Uh, I know May had that many, I guess, last year. But I want to say that's maybe a record under Roy. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong there. I think this is easy. Um we talked all offseason that Cole Anthony is not Kobe White. When you put Kobe White on this team, he's going to be getting 30 points in a game because that's what he does. Cole Anthony's not that player. And I think the fact, I think it was an issue for him and I think it was an issue for the fans that he was as dominant as he was against Notre Dame. Um, that's really not his style of play as being a, a lights-out scorer night in and night out. He is very much a quarterback. He is the ideal point guard because he can score. He can penetrate. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defender, but he's a floor general. And he facilitates and makes everybody else better. That's what he does best. So if he comes back into this roster and he's saying, you know what? I've missed all this time. I've got to dominate and take over and try to get us back. That's going to be problematic. But if he comes back and says, you know what? We've actually got something going. I can really aid this team and fill in some gaps and we can utilize the fact that Garrison is emerged. We can utilize the fact that, that B Rob is a legitimate perimeter option now. And Armando is a good secondary option in the post. If he takes that approach and really compliments everybody and makes the team better. Now you're, now you got a lot to work with 
And so I think a lot of it is, is his mentality, uh, which comes from the coaches. The coaches, I'm sure, have been, you know, Gregory did a piece on how they've got him sitting beside the coaches on the bench so they can talk to him about what's going on and how things need to work and how things need to look. Uh, and so if, if they've done a good job with that, that should be, I don't want to say a seamless transition because he hasn't missed so many games. But once he kind of gets up to speed and understands where they like to, you know, to receive passes and how they like to be set up, all those things, it should take pressure off of him, which would allow him to get in the flow of the game, and it should make the team you know, a lot better for that reason. I don't think I can add much much more from what Greg said, but I mean, I, as a fan, I think you, man, you, want, you want to see Cole play. So you want him to do what he does best, which I think is, is score the ball but also facilitate. We saw some great passes I think he can get. Baycott and Brooks in a lot better positions to score. I think you'd like to see him. I mean, the transition has been one of the weaknesses without him in. So he's going to push the ball and they're going to have tons of more easier buckets. I think that's going to be the biggest change with him back. And so that's a positive as well. You have another perimeter shooter. I mean, you want him to do what he does. And, and that is not only be a floor general and, and facilitate the offense, but score. I mean, you want him to, you know, he's going to have to shoot and, and try to score a lot as well. I don't think that is necessarily a bad thing because um, they've been missing that alpha score and, and Garrison's kind of taking that over. And I think it's going to open up for Brand Robson as well. So it, it is going to be a little bit of a, um, a transition period because you, you can have less, lesser shots for, for Brooks and, and Robinson, but maybe better shots as well. And uh, of course the defense, we ramped up and um, he has another rebounder. So obviously it's an oh, improvement for this team. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see when he does come back, if he is limited in minutes, are they going to play him 20 minutes or is it going to be, all right, you've practiced a couple of times. It's full go. You're going to be out there 35 minutes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but you would like to see the role players continue to contribute. We saw some sparks from Pierce and Leakey and Playtech and Keeling and for UNC to, to be really successful and to, and to put together a string of wins. They're going to have to have big games as well. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it right there. Those guys are going to have to continue to know their role and do what they do what they can do, not try to do what they can't do. And I, I said something about that earlier in the season. Carolina's a lot better when those guys do what they know they can do rather than doing what they think they can do. And you saw it with Keeling's shots against NC State. You know, Pierce's. It, it's the the passes that don't work on this level that really hurts Carolina. Uh, Greg. One more Go thing, ahead. this is going to be the true test for Roy Williams as a coach. We always talk about how he gets the teams better in right. the uh, in the last half, you know, February, March. If he can get this team going and, and stack some wins here, that's going to be the, the true test of him being a really good coach, working Cole back in and getting and getting some wins here. We'll see uh, if, if Roy can earn his money. Coach yeah. Cake didn't do that with uh, Kyrie. Granted, he had a lot less time, but uh, that, that was a, yeah, that's a issue for that Duke team. Great point, and it's certainly a very similar situation, even though I think that Duke team was a lot more talented than this Carolina team is, but same injury-type deal. Um, Gregory, last question before we go to our last commercial break. Who benefits most if Cole Anthony returns Saturday or whenever? On the I, think it's, I think it's Brandon Robinson. Really? Um, I, think, I think he benefits most because he – when we're talking about knowing your role and kind of developing as the season's gone on without Cole, yes, b has been banged up, and he's also had to take the ball up 
more because Leaky has struggled at times at the point guard position. So you see B-Rob trying to facilitate and get open for shots. Um, and obviously that wasn't an issue against Miami, but it, it has been an issue at times for him to be able to create a shot for someone else, but then also like he's had to do both. And with Cole coming back, he doesn't have to do that anymore. Um, and then on the other end, I think this hurts Leaky the most because like Greg said, and like we've talked about, he's kind of getting comfortable in that point guard role finally. And that's what he's been working on and focusing on these past few games. And now if Cole comes back, he's like, they're like, Oh, thanks Leaky. Like you don't need to do that anymore. Go back to what you were worrying about before. Like that's hard to do. Um, and he's just getting his shot down. So maybe that helps and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it doesn't hurt him at all. He doesn't have to worry about dribbling as much. He can just worry about getting his shots up. But then on the other hand, uh, he's coming off the, he'll be coming off the bench. So maybe it doesn't hurt him as much because he can get fewer minutes, but yeah, I think it helps B Rob the most. I think it hurts Leaky the most. Great point by Ross. This is when coach Williams earns the cabbage. Late in the season, the Carolina teams have always gotten better. This one is is clearly gotten better. What happens when you add the best piece in it? We'll have to see. We're going to come back after the break. Got a couple questions on the other end of the floor for the group. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast on the beat. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. I see podcast on the beat. I'm Tommy Ashley, Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, Gregory Hall. Greg, start with you first. We mentioned detail, uh, excuse me, defense a little bit earlier in the podcast, and I want to talk about it a little bit because uh, against NC State was the first time I felt like, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the first time I felt like watching, especially Garrison Brooks, that he realized the importance of him being on the court and not picking up cheap fouls and Baycott to a lesser extent. There were a lot of times when NC State had free reign to the basket and rather than somebody jumping in and creating a stupid foul or doing a, making a stupid foul, they kind of let them go. And the old, you can get a, a bucket back, you can't get a foul back. Did you see the same thing against NC State, or is that just something where 
um, just a one-off type deal because I thought it was effective um, in that Garrison's more important on the floor than he is trying to defend everything on the inside. Yeah, I think it's just being being heady uh, and, and being confident and understanding what he's supposed to be doing. Um, I think if you look back when he first started having the offensive explosions earlier this month, everybody was uh, geared up over, ah, he's finally emerged as a scorer. But what a lot of people kind of forgot is that um, his defensive grades had really suffered. And I don't know, you know, I don't know, um, you know, the correlation there, if there was any. But I think it was the fact that he was being so assertive offensively. He tried to do that at times on the other side and kind of got in trouble, kind of got out of position. Um, and you know, he can only do so much. So I think it's it's probably trusting your teammates a little bit more while also playing playing smart. And, and, and yeah, I mean, being a leader and making sure you're on the court is a big part of it, especially when you make out have some foul trouble at times. Um, but I, I just think it's growth. I think it's maturation and it's confidence and and uh, just playing well. And that was a big thing I know with Hansbro back in the day was you know, he had to stay on the court. And you know, some people kind of questioned at times in terms of you know, not not intensity, of course, but in terms of uh, his, his physicality in the post defensively. And uh, I think he was just playing smart and trying not to make cheap fouls. Uh, and it was effective enough, and it allowed him to uh, to stay on the court and play a lot of minutes for a long time. Let's go, uh, Gregory and Ross. Last couple questions for the podcast. Where is this team right now, as far as the NCAA tournament, Ross? <laughs> I was. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what do they have to do? I think it's a pipe dream still, but what do they have to do to? to sniff that. I think who made it last year, Greg, or who made it? Trey Young's Oklahoma team made it in. There was a, so like there was a team that was 14 or something. There was a net rank team. I think the lowest net rank at large bid was like 73rd or something like that. I saw recently. Ross, is there still a chance? I don't think so. <laughs> Not at all. I, I don't think so. One, how many games have one, two, three, four, 11 five. games left. Yeah. 11 it, games left. So, it depends Eight on what you're asking, though, Tommy. Is there postseason? I think they're going to make the postseason. NIT. Is a winning record to make the NIT, right? Yeah, they'll the make winning. the NIT. Yeah, they can get it. there. But, I mean, they got to win out, I think. I mean, that'd be, well, they, they, they could probably drop maybe three games max. It's possible. See, um, there is a path, but it's got to be, yeah, to, to Ross's point, you've got to win the right games. I, I think that's kind of the, the key part is. Is there a path? Sure. Can they do it? Which I think Ross is answering. Eh, that's that's a different question. And they they're not helped by a poor ACC. Like beating Miami, beating um, Boston College. Those games are are not going to help them. The only games that are really going to help them, I think, are going to be Louisville, Duke twice, and Florida State. Like it's a weak conference across the board. It's like when these teams have beat UNC, it hasn't helped them because UNC is such a that's a bad record right now right. with all the, the net stuff. So, And, like, I, mean, I don't see this team going into Florida State and winning and, and beating Duke. Um, I mean, even with Cole Anthony, they had a lot of issues, I thought. Um, you know, losing to Michigan, losing to Ohio State, losing to Virginia. So, um, we'll see. I mean, it should be interesting. It definitely adds intrigue with, with the, t- the timing right now when Cole's coming back. We expect him to be back in the next two games. It, it definitely adds a lot of intrigue. and. Who knows? I mean, he, he might be the best player in college basketball that we've seen everybody play. 
what's amazing to me, Greg, is Michigan and Ohio State suck. Yeah, they dropped off, haven't they? Yeah, right. And and they look like world beaters when they played Carolina. And so and then I see Florida State lose to Virginia. I see Boston Duke College lose. is in a dogfight with Louisville right now, by the way. Yeah, and, I so, mean So the du- second best win on North Carolina's schedule so far is two. We know Oregon's number one. Who's number NC two? NC State. It's gotta be. Alabama. Yeah, how's Alabama look? Oh yeah. Alabama. It's Alabama. What happened in Michigan? I'm just looking at the Alabama's record. twelve and eight, <laughs> and that's <laughs> with North a, second with best. a win over my with a win over my Tigers. Yeah. So what's so they've got Mich- work to do? Michigan, Ohio See, State, both, man. They've God, what happened to them? Well, they Michigan's got a, yeah, they've had some injuries and they've okay. had a suspension and that kind of stuff. Ohio State is like I mean, stops I, playing, right? But if you're beating Boston College, who's yeah, I think they're barely top two hundred in the net. That's not going to help you, but you've got to you've got to win. Let's look at the big the big games left. You got Duke twice, you're at Louisville, and you got Florida State on the road. It's, Those are pretty much your four primetime opportunities, three of which are on the road. Yeah. So I really think you've got to win at least one of those, if not two. That's what I think is unfortunate is that the Florida State and Louisville are both on the road. Like, that's just bad luck at this point with how this season has gone. Because they're, if, they're, if they're home games, based on how Louisville has looked at times, I mean, Miami took Florida State to overtime. Um, like, if, they're, if those are home games, it's a different story. But they're not, so it doesn't really matter talking about the fact that if they were home games. So Yeah, I mean, if you could flip the ACC schedule – like the the ten that Carolina's played or the nine that Carolina's played and put them coming up, and their record was three and six against the back half. You know what I'm saying? That would be. Yeah. I absolutely think they could get in. Like if yeah. you say, but doesn't it, doesn't it help that Cole? Like if Cole gets back and they can like having that tough schedule with Cole doesn't? Don't you think that would be better than the tough schedule without? I mean, I know wins wise, but it's like. If they can beat those good teams, and I think that helps them more than getting demolished and then kind of building their record with bad teams. Sure, for sure. Uh, but you're not going to build your resume even if you lose a close game at FSU or Duke. Do they get? Will they get a credit for Cole Anthony coming back if they look a lot better? Sure. How much? Yeah, I mean, that's very subjective. And if you're not close to that bubble – then it's not going to help you much. I mean, Notre Dame's a perfect example of Bonzi Colson a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but, and this is where you get in the conversation about Cole of, you understand that, that UNC wants to be very careful with him for a lot of different reasons. Um, and, and I, ideal situations, you bring him back to practice Thursday. He plays against Boston college, but then if he plays against Boston college in a night game, you got to take it easy on him Sunday, and then you got to play at Florida State the next day. So that's tough. And then the next weekend's Duke. Um, and so that's a lot of activity and some big games very quickly if he's to come back this weekend. And as we were just talking about, you lose at Florida State, you lose at home to Duke. Now you've got to win at Louisville. You've got to win at Duke. You've got to win at Syracuse to have any prayer at making the tournament. So these. These this next ten days, I think will really tell us that this team has a legitimate chance of making the tournament. All right, 
Let's go around the room. We got some picks coming up. We're going to do Carolina. What it takes for Carolina to get to the NCAA tournament. Greg, they're ten and ten right now. What do they have to finish to have a chance on Selection Sunday? Not, and I'm discounting the ACC tournament because that's a oh, big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that. Gregory, Auburn, go Tigers. Uh, Carolina's record to get in, Greg, including the ACC tournament. What's it going to take? Uh, including the ACC tournament, let's say eighteen and fifteen. So that's seven and four, and then one win, one, one loss. One. Yeah, Gregory, twenty and fourteen. <laughs> uh, get out of here! Ross. No, eight and three, <laughs> and then two wins and a loss in the they, tournament. They they are definitely in if they do that. A lot of weird numbers. I'm gonna go. Um, so regular season eighteen and thirteen. I think the math works out there. And then at least, you have to win at least one in the tournament, maybe two. So they can see what seed they get too. Might help them to have a Tuesday seed. Play play another bad team. All right, they can win two games. Yeah. Oh, in the ACC tournament, in Greensboro. Yeah. Tommy, so, you? I think seventeen and fourteen going into the ACC tournament, and you go one and one. Like you say, I think that gets them in. I don't think you leave Carolina out. Boston. Uh, what seed? Uh, um, what's the lowest at-large seed these days? Is it 11? Really? 12, right? Can it be 12? I think they could be in a Dayton game. Wasn't Syracuse yeah. 11 when they went to the Final Four? Mom was born in Dayton. Always learning something. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this one. Greg wants to do Super Bowl picks. So, Ross, since you're so thrilled to make picks, you're up Super Bowl. Uh, we doing score. Um, we doing score. Yeah, score. Team wins. Uh, golly, I think Kansas City is going to win. I'll go something like thirty-six. What scores? I'll go thirty-six. Uh, thirty. Thirty-six. Thirty. KC. Gregory. Uh, I'll go. 31-24, KC. I won't <laughs> let you – I won't make you go before me, Greg. I'm, I think KC – my heart says KC. My head says San Francisco. But I'm going to go Pat Mahomes, uh, 35-32. It's like what I, I think said. It, I think – well, I'll do something different. 38-36. <laughs> I think it's a shootout. We've got a 38-36. How do you even get those scores? Um. It's an oblong ball, and it sometimes bounces weird. Greg, you wrap the show. (laughs) We've got three cases. Have you ever watched San Fran play this year? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're. Have you watched Patty Mahomes play? I've watched Patty play. He'd be the first Uh, player under 25 to have a ring and an MVP. Let's do it. Wrap it up. (laughs) Uh, I've got uh, got San Fran winning this one, 27-24. Low scoring. We shall revisit it. You've been listening to On The Beat podcast inside Carolina, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Many thanks, Ross Martin, Gregory Hall, and Greg Barnes. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.